You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. I hope you're having a wonderful Easter season and hope you're finding some time to be with your family and take care of yourself. Personally, I'm finding routine is key to keeping me sane mentally and physically during this time. It's been a couple of weeks since we were together, and if your schedule has been like mine, I'm sure that you've been putting in an extraordinary amount of time connecting with people and keeping your missions moving. I had an interesting experience today. I was looking for some material to prepare for this podcast, and I ended up opening A Spirituality of Fundraising by Henry Nouwen. I read it years ago, and today it just spoke to me, and I hope it does for you too. It's a short passage, and I want to read it to you. So here it is. From the perspective of the gospel, fundraising is not a response to a crisis. Fundraising is, first and foremost, a form of ministry. It is a way of announcing our vision and inviting other people into our mission. Vision and mission are so central to the life of God's people that without our vision, we perish, and without our mission, we lose our way. Vision brings together needs and resources to meet those needs. Vision also shows us new directions and opportunities for our mission. Vision gives us courage to speak when we might want to remain silent. Fundraising is proclaiming what we believe in such a way that we offer other people an opportunity to participate with us in our vision and mission. Fundraising is precisely the opposite of begging. When we seek to raise funds, we are not saying, please, could you help us out because it's been hard lately. Rather, we are declaring, we have a vision that is amazing and exciting. We are inviting you to invest yourself through the resources that God has given you, your energy, your prayers, and your money in this work to which God has called us. Our invitation is clear and confident because we trust that our vision and mission are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. Wasn't that passage interesting? And so timely. My friends, as you think about your vision and your mission, there has never been a better time to get back to basics of reaching out to people and connecting. Be bold and believe. Be brave. And remember that you're not begging. You're extending an invitation through your vision and to your mission. And remember the difference between the two. And now, let's get to work. Today, we welcome Melody Wittenbach, the new Executive Director for the Barbara and Patrick Roche Center for Catholic Education at the Lynch School of Education and Human Development at Boston University. This interview was pre-recorded a couple of months ago before the pandemic hit the United States. So just a disclaimer, when Melody talks about her plans for the summer, obviously much of that has changed and you'll want to check with the Roche Center for their revised summer plans. But the remainder of this interview discusses the Roche Center's focus on developing Catholic school leaders, Melody's trip to Rome a couple of months ago, and the ongoing dialogue that she's having with school leaders around the country. I think you'll find this interesting. And so, without further ado, here is Melody Wittenbach. Melody, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here on the program today. Oh, great. And thanks, thanks so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here today. 
So, Melody, congratulations. I know that you're the recently appointed new executive director for the Roche Center. And um, I was pleased to come out and and, uh, and visit your your offices uh, a few few weeks ago. I guess it's been a month, about a month now. I thought maybe we could start out with uh, you could tell us a little bit about the Roche Center, uh, some of the programs that it offers and uh, your place in, in the marketplace of making a difference in Catholic education. Yeah, happy to share. So the Roche Center for Catholic Education um, was established here at Boston College with really the intent to support and help to sustain Catholic schools in our country. And the um, president of the university, Father Leahy, established this center um, really to kind of especially serve the local Catholic schools. And so our programming has varied from different things in terms of supporting Catholic school leaders to teachers to just kind of broadly engaging individuals in conversation around things of great importance to Catholic schools and helping to sustain them and transform them. So just kind of given that core mission of really kind of uh, helping to bring about change agents for Catholic schools, um, the center was established and um, has really done some uh, wonderful work um, in the past and then even hopefully continuing that tradition moving forward. And you have uh, kind of two core areas of service or two, two I, I would call what feature programs. One is the Emmaus Leadership Series and one is the Two-Way Immersion Network for Catholic Schools. Could you tell us a little bit about those programs? Yeah, happy to. So we definitely have an intentional focus on supporting Catholic school leaders. And one of the programs that we um, have established is the Emmaus Leadership Series. And so this is um, something that is based on the National Standards and Benchmarks for Effective Catholic Schools, which is a document that came out of this center in 2012 in partnership with Loyola University in Chicago. And essentially, it's really kind of driving um, uh, kind of leadership training and development around what are those kind of high leverage things that leaders need to be engaged in to really um, transform their school. Um, and so the Emmaus series um, is actually going to be taking a little bit of a, a new model where we are going to be focusing in on one of four domains um, for leadership development. So the four domains that um, have been established by those national standards are um, mission and Catholic identity, board govern governance and leadership, academic excellence, and then also operational vitality. This upcoming year, what we're going to do is actually offer uh, Catholic school leaders uh, an opportunity to engage in leadership conversations and professional education around the operational vitality domain, specifically for enrollment management and finance, because that's an area where a number of Catholic school leaders are just seeking and development and opportunities for deeper understanding and growth. And then regarding our 2A immersion program, we do have 19 uh, Catholic schools across the country that have developed this very innovative, beautiful model of serving culturally and linguistically diverse students. And so these schools adopt a, a model of educational programming where majority of the day of a, a child, especially in the early years, is um, in another language. So it could be Spanish, it could be Mandarin, uh, and then the remainder of their day is in English. And so the model, depending on the school's um, implementation model, kind of uh, changes over time to be much more English-focused. So many times the schools start out with 90% of the day for children in preschool in another language. And then by the time they're in fifth grade, it usually is about a 50-50 split with the academic 
language that they're being taught in. So it's a really beautiful way, especially as we see kind of the church demographically changing for us to be able to embrace kind of the cultures and the beautiful languages that are kind of celebrated by individuals who come to our doors and are, and we're blessed to serve. So Sure. So Melody, just want to go back to the Emmaus Leadership Series. I work with a number of different Catholic schools uh, around the country, and it's so interesting, the job of the principal or the president, it, it seems to have changed so much over the last 10 or 20 years with the economy, with the with struggling enrollments, especially up here in the, in the Northeast area. We've seen a lot of schools close and struggling and having to refocus. Um, my experience uh, first was in the Diocese of Allentown, then the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And so what I've seen with, with principals is, and when I've talked with them, they're spending more than 50% of their time doing non-academic, non-parent related things like enrollment, fundraising, managing the buildings. Are you seeing that out in the field? And are, are you finding that the Emmaus program can kind of help fill the gap on the skill sets that they may not have picked up when they were in college or in other kind of formation programs? Mm, absolutely. And I think that oftentimes um, individuals come to the, the principalship uh, from the classroom. And so they have a wonderful wealth of knowledge when it comes to you know, supporting teachers academically or supporting kind of um, learning and instruction that may happen. But they often don't have that kind of business side of uh, understanding how are you op- operating right. a small business, which is essentially what they're doing. So that definitely is an area of, um, of a need for leaders to develop kind of in and kind of grow in their understanding. And so that's where I think in terms of our prioritization with the MAYA series, really focusing in on that area of operational vitality, what will help them understand, like, you know, what's the art and science of enrollment management? You know, how do we understand finances? And how we, you know, sometimes it's sure. like, it's a, another language to read a budget or stand like, hey, I should be asking for these like monthly statements or, you know, how do I report this to my board? And oftentimes strategic decisions are based on those finances or on those numbers. And so it's allowing leaders to develop their confidence and understanding and how do I navigate this world in addition to the many other hats that I'm wearing as an instructional leader or an executive manager, or even kind of, you know, as lay men and women embrace the opportunity to lead in Catholic schools or faith-based schools in general, you know, to really understand themselves as a spiritual leader. And how do I kind of embrace that and kind of really infuse the identity of our mission um, to others that are, to my staff, to the parents, um, and even in partnership with the pastor that I might be working with. Yeah, it's a varied kind of component, but I think um, like you're, you're spot on that it's definitely an area of need. And I think if our Catholic schools are going to really be strengthened, we need to make sure that we're giving our leaders the tools necessary to be successful. Moving kind of over to the topic of governance, do you find that when you employ a a board, say, with other kinds of skill sets to bring to bear on that school, does that also help to fill in the gap? And I guess that's probably also an area of growth for Catholic school leaders to know how to work with a board and manage a board and recruit board members. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. This is definitely a passion area of mine. I very much enjoy um, kind of working with boards, working with school leaders to understand how do you best manage a board? What are some of those high um, kind of those effective principles that one can put in place? And I'm actually launching with our sites here in Boston um, next month, a small series, academy series um, that's really tailored and focused to board management and understanding governance structures. And so we have about, I think, 30 individuals that are enrolled in this and it'll go from uh, March to May um, and really just kind of take a, uh, an opportunity to engage in conversation around what are some of these best practices? How do I implement this? And sometimes it's as simple as when you're cultivating board members, what do I do? How do I go about finding new board members that have the right talents and 
skill sets that I need for my board to kind of have it be a much more kind of comprehensive representation of what we're kind of looking at um, strategically, if it's around finance, if it's around law, if it's around academics. And this is absolutely an area of great need. And and, and in terms of just um, additional programming here at the Roach Center, um, we'll definitely be bringing on another Emmaus Leadership uh, Academy to the broader audience um, this, hopefully this summer, to be honest with you, with that being a focus, governance and leadership. So, yeah. It's such a, it's such an interesting challenge. I've, I've worked with boards that really never kind of got off the ground and didn't quite a take, take ownership of, of their role as a board. And then, you know, I've worked with, with principals or presidents who are dealing with just the opposite, a board that wants to delve too far into the operations of the school and, and talk about personnel and management and uh, academics and such. And so it, it really is a, a great skill set to that, that all of us can use to manage people and, and to um, to bring the right gifts at the right level to uh, to help move a school forward. Yeah, no, and I love that. That I mean, it really truly is about helping people like to be to give them their gifts and helping to see the gifts and talents in other people. Because I think all board members, you know, they really have a desire to serve to benefit to like advance the mission of the school. And it really takes a leader to be able to see that and understand how could I best utilize this individual in a way that helps to continue to to advance our mission. And so it's an opportunity to just really help people see the God-given gifts that they've been given and help them to utilize it for the betterment of a, of a school community. So yeah, very, very important work. Good stuff. So Melody, you told me that you, uh, you recently took a trip to Rome. Tell me a little bit about that. I did. I was blessed to be um, a part of a, a group of individuals. There were three of us from Boston College that were part of a um, meeting that happened at the Vatican. Um, it was the Congregation for Catholic Education convened six universities and, uh, from around the world. And um, in addition to that, there were bishops and cardinals from around the world as well. And our conversation was really focused on, you know, um, the value of Catholic schools and what can we be doing better together to uh, kind of sustain the mission of the work that we do uh, across the world. Um, and so it was a, just an amazing couple days. Um, it was four days that we were um, in Rome with different meetings. Um, and um, yeah, it was just a very interesting conversation. And it was wonderful to see so much, so much of the church leadership engaged in really meaningful ways to kind of celebrate what we're doing, but then also to say, like, we really have to kind of come together and kind of have a compact where we can kind of... Um, see a, be a unified force for catholic schools in our world so it was it was a wonderful experience yeah and that brings up an interesting uh, topic melody i know that the the roche center has been established for a while and you guys are making some great inroads in catholic education i know that notre dame university has a, has a, a, an effort towards catholic schools and their other colleges uh, around the country is there a forum where you all kind of come together and coordinate efforts or talk about best practices or how you're making an impact in school systems? Mm -hmm. That's great that you asked that question. The other university from the state that was represented is Notre Dame. And mm. some wonderful dear colleagues having worked there for four years. Um, and so it was wonderful to have them around the table as well, just to begin to say, you know, what are we doing and what can we be um, kind of, how can we um, really advance this work together because there's just so much there's no shortage of need out there to support our catholic schools um and so part of it is the question of like like who convenes that i mean we definitely have some like research organizations like the american educational research association that has a special interest group for catholic schools so there's a number of individuals who from that research lens are gathering and there's a meeting coming up in april 
um, for that group. The National Catholic Education Association definitely convenes um, leaders uh, from all different universities through a like a higher education um, a special um, group that also meets um, regularly. And I know that there will be a convening in April as well and Baltimore when they have the annual um, convention. Um, so there's definitely different groups. And this one was a little bit different in that it was a global kind of impact um, where the conversation was happening with universities from across the world. And I think as we're moving, uh, we've moved really into a very global kind of community, a global world. Um, you know, this is just, there's multiple opportunities for conversations and, and different people who are convening that um, at the national level and then internationally. So many things are happening. It's just a matter of kind of continuing to take the time to learn from one another, to challenge one another, and then to say, what can we be doing collaboratively? Or what can you do that I can't do? And how can we just continue to kind of um, advance the efforts of our Catholic schools? So yeah, great question. Are there are there points of intersection where you find that you can collaborate together or are you still kind of discerning those kinds of opportunities? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, let me give you two examples within the, um, so at this congregation, this meeting, one, one piece was just around even kind of sharing a little bit about data and research and what are we doing and what's working. So I think it's kind of like having a starting point for some of those conversations to be able to dig deeply and kind of really take it from that inquiry stance of what's working and what's not. So that's something that this um, this uh, congregation will be um, kind of continuing to engage those six universities in, and we'll have another gathering. Um, they had said maybe in six months, we'll see, you know, where, when or where that will happen, if that will happen virtually, or if that will be another in-person gathering. And then even something as simple, so a number of universities have these wonderful teaching programs where um, you know, recent college graduates are given to give two years of service to Catholic schools. So you have the Urban Catholic Teacher Corps here at Boston College. You have the Alliance for Catholic Education's Teaching Fellows Program at Notre Dame. You have the Providence um, uh, Alliance for Catholic Teachers at Providence. And so um, one thing that here in the Boston area, you see these three different groups and alum of these different um, university teaching programs come together and they come together to have different faith formation opportunities. If it's to celebrate mass monthly, if it's to also engage in kind of some service opportunities within the local Catholic schools. So I know recently they did a college essay night at a, rec- at a local Catholic- Cristo Rey school. Um, so there's definitely different opportunities to collaborate and engage kind of um, young alum or individuals who are, you know, been in the in the field for quite a while who are really looking critically at research and what's happening. So there's no shortage of opportunities for bringing people together. Definitely. And Melanie, that brings up actually you mentioned uh, urban Catholic schools. I know that you uh, recently edited uh, a book on urban education. What are you seeing uh, as far as some of the models of addressing the needs of urban schools around the country? Yeah, that's a great, um, great question. So, I mean, there's definitely um, a movement I think happening where Catholic um, dioceses are really saying. What can we be doing to better serve these schools, especially given the dynamic role of the leader and knowing that there's just such a, uh, you know, you're looking at somebody who has to, you know, understand the business side, understand the academic side, and especially in the urban Catholic side, kind of understand what are some of the real needs of the students that are, um, that we're blessed to serve, but then how do we deal with like the social emotional learning needs or just kind of how are we being inclusive to make sure that we are meeting um, kind of any you know, any needs of the students um, that we might be serving. And so 
there's definitely a movement towards kind of consortiums or networks in urban Catholics areas. Um, you see that in Milwaukee recently, there was the Seton uh, Education Partners model that emerged there. You have in New York, the partnership schools. Um, and so even in Chicago recently, they just announced this um, spring that they are going to be working closely with the Big Shoulders Foundation for a number of their urban Catholic schools to address kind of some leadership needs and kind of um, look more deeply at boards and things like that. So there's a movement that's happening. And interesting that you bring up that book because um, there is a, a, with a colleague here, Dr. Andrew Miller, who's a dynamite leader who's really focused on um, Catholic educational leadership. We are engaged in a study to examine these models and to say, you know, what do we know? How are decisions made by leaders by the archdiocesan level to say this is the right thing for our urban Catholic schools? Why are they making those decisions? How is it coming about? And then even to begin to look at how do we know that they're working? What? How do we know they're effective? And is this something that should be replicated in other cities? And if so, what are some of those core components of these models? Um, so we're actually actively working on a study right now um, in that area to better understand what's emerging uh, nationally for urban Catholic schools. That's very exciting. I, I've uh, encountered many of these schools uh, over the last several years. I used to uh, be the chief development officer at the Faith in the Future Foundation, which is an urban Catholic schools, but it's one of those coalition type of programs. And we worked also with the Independence Mission Schools based in Center City, Philadelphia. I believe there are 14 elementary schools that are independent. And what has made such a huge difference for us uh, in the state of Pennsylvania has been the Educational Improvement Tax Credit Program, where businesses are able to get part of their tax dollars. And now, Actually, individuals as well are able to give part of their tax dollars to Catholic school scholarships for for students that uh, display the financial need. But are you seeing um, any kind of a trend around tax credit programs also around the country? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think the the recent Supreme Court hearing um, that happened in January, I think they'll be ruling um, in June on that case, uh, Montana versus uh, Mendoza, I believe is the name of the family. Right. Um, and so it'll be very interesting to see what happens nationally um, there um, and real opportunity, hopefully, for greater engagement. And I would say um, just something that uh, the University of Notre Dame has done really well is to try to mobilize a number of young leaders in the area of advocating for school choice with a program that John Schoenig um, runs, which is called the Reform Leaders Summit, and they gather individuals to examine like school choice policy, you know, what's happening and, and really kind of challenge people to say, how can you use your voice to get engaged? Because I think this really is a necessary um, kind of fight that we have to be in, engaged in, in order to really help sustain our Catholic schools and um, find alternative sources of funding. And I think there's so many people that want to give generously to Catholic schools and through this tax credit program, or, you know, if it's advocating for vouchers um, or educational savings accounts, uh, there just is a great need to kind of um, enter into this dialogue. Um, and so, um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see come June, if anything comes of, of this yeah. nationally, hopefully. Very promising. Yeah. So I also saw that you were um, you were in the middle of, or maybe towards the end of, uh, authoring a book on strategic planning for schools. I finished it, and it's actually in the process um, of being uh, the final review is happening by the National Catholic Education Association, who's publishing it. So it should be sometime within the next month or two, hopefully out and about, and. Uh, 
Great. With other, you know, other texts that I'm also working on because this is part of a series, especially um, what okay. we chatted at the first part about, you know, leaders really needing to understand kind of some of those executive management skills or kind of business side of running schools. And so I'm also working on one um, around board management and then also um, enrollment management with some colleagues. So just it'll be the first book in a series that leaders hopefully can just take off the shelf, kind of look at and say, here's some great resources to be able to um, utilize um, with um, those in my school to advance uh, the mission in, in various areas. Because you know that, as you know, you know, strategic planning is something that's often driven by a board, but you have to understand how to how do you drive your board to think strategically. And so there, there's all complementary things. So this is like a series that complements where the texts complement one another. Yeah. Beautiful. Work in progress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. And um, tell us, Melody, just a little bit about how you got uh, interested in uh, in Catholic education. I know, I know, you spent your career in it, but um, you you were a principal, and and then you decided to kind of take it up to the next level. Just tell us a little bit about that that, that discernment process. So I remember it's actually really funny because when I was studying, it was an undergraduate, and I was studying geology and environmental science, and so I remember telling my mother that I just wanted to study something that I loved and I just trusted that God would open doors for me. And uh, what ended up happening was I landed a job teaching at a summer camp and I just absolutely fell in love with the students, fell in love with the community, fell in love with teaching. And so um, from there, just different doors opened up along the way that, um, and I think when you're so passionate about something, you'll do anything to for it, right? For the mission or for the students that you're serving. And such was the case with me and I think many other Catholic school leaders who they just give so um, so generously of their time and, and talents in ways that, you know, God just kind of puts more on your plate in ways where you just find yourself slowly in leadership roles or doing something and different doors just open along the way. And so that's kind of more or less the path um, for me. Like all this has been just God's work and I'm incredibly grateful for the doors that have been opened and the people that I've met and just very humbled to be able to serve um, now here at the Roach Center and and to help transform Catholic schools um, locally and then hopefully even nationally and maybe even globally. Who knows with this compact there's just definitely, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. So, yeah. Well, it's exciting. And it's exciting to see where you're going to take it to the next level. One last question for you. When a Catholic school administrator is is in a school, sometimes uh, the challenge we find is succession planning, that they're that finding uh, that young teacher uh, or that experienced teacher who uh, or department head who might be willing to take that next step, that next level. Do does the does the Roche Center offer some sort of discernment process or what have you seen kind of out there where we can help form the next generation uh, of those young leaders who are going to who are on the bench, who are our future principals and presidents? Yeah, that's wonderful. It's it's funny that you asked that. So um, this um, summer, beginning with a retreat and in the fall, we're actually going to be launching a cohort um, for our master's in leadership and policy, which exists at the Lynch School, which is a wonderful program taught by amazing scholars and former practitioners who've led um, that all are, you know, well degreed, pedigreed with their doctorates. Um, and so we have a master's in leadership um, and policy uh, focus for Catholic school leaders. It's a cohort model where the leaders will um, kind of have some faith formation opportunities 
um, where they'll come together for two retreats annually. They'll take classes, all of them online, some of them being cohort only, where they'll be with the other um, 14 or so Catholic school leaders that will be in this cohort. Um, all aspiring leaders, all people who feel like this is the next step for them. And in addition to that, they'll take one course every semester as well with um, people from across sectors, because I think it's very important that we understand what's happening in the charter world and the part in the public world to be able to stand and say, like, this is why Catholic schools matter. And this is who you're up against and be able to understand kind of that broader marketplace. So um, they'll take courses across sector. And then also, um, they'll be kind of supported as a community. I think that that's one of the biggest things as we um, you know, one of the reasons I think we have gotten to this place with succession planning and having a very thin bench is because we haven't necessarily done a well in kind of really building a community of support for individuals that are, are um, that are principals that are leading. Um, and so the communities of practice that these different um, cohorts will form will gather um, monthly with ad- experts across the country to help them not only engage in conversations around what's happening in my Catholic school, how do I troubleshoot this, what am I taking from the classes that I'm learning and apply it, but then also to just kind of build community and build the sense of kind of solidarity with one another. So um, I'm excited that this program will be launching this uh, this summer and this fall, and um, the applications right now are rolling for that. So um, it's a it's really a, something critical for us as a Roach Skinner Center to begin to um, invest in and kind of to be able to scale up and deepen that bench of aspiring leaders for our Catholic schools. So great question to, to kind of uh, summarize some of the work that we're doing here. That was timely. Perfect. Couldn't have planned that better. <laughs> well, Melody, it was great to have you on uh, Advancing Our Church. I'm so grateful for all the work that you do and uh, Changing Our Worlds. excited to continue to partner with you on, on the webinars and the webcasts that we've been doing with you over the last couple of months. So uh, excited to see where you're going to take the Roche Center in the coming years. Oh, thank you. And this is a wonderful ministry that you do. So thanks for the invitation and continued blessings on your work, Jim. I want to thank Melody for being on our show today. Melody, thank you again for your partnership, for your energy, your creativity, your enthusiasm. We're just so fortunate to have a partner like the Roche Center. And thank you for all that you're doing for Catholic schools around the country. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at AdvancingOurChurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm, and we've been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at ChangingOurWorld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Have a terrific week. Take care, be well, and God bless. God bless.